Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. If you are breathing at all, you should be aware of the drug problem plaguing this nation. I mean, it's evident everywhere you turn. Not only is it affecting the inner city and the poor, which is, you know, who usually comes to mind, it runs a lot deeper than that. In fact, the front page of the Drug Abuse Statistics website reveals the 50%, in other words, half of the people in the United States that are 12 years old or older have used illegal drugs. 50%. Since the year 2000, almost 1 million drug overdoses have resulted in death. 26% of all arrests in America right now are the result of drug offenses. Well, you know, Brother Bob, that's just the illegal side of things, the criminals and such like. Really? Well, how about this? 6% of Americans over the age of 12 abuse prescription drugs each and every year. That's over 16 million people. 12% of prescription drug users are addicted, and I can talk more about that in a minute. 82%, four out of every five prescriptions filled are for opioids. Opioids. Think about that. What can be done? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Dr. Adina Astorian holds a doctor of pharmacy degree and has been a pharmacist for over 20 years. She's provided medication therapy management services and her interventions have truly saved numerous lives. Dr. Adina is an incorporated, Dr. Adina Pharmacist is an incorporated name that has its sole purpose is to conduct public speaking events regarding understanding drugs. The mission statement is simple, changing lives through the power of love and understanding drugs. Amen. Help me welcome to the program, Dr. Adina Story, or better known as Dr. Adina Pharmacist. Dr. Adina, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this time to be with you and with all of those who are listening to us, I'm uh, I'm very thankful to the Lord for giving us this time so that we can discuss this very, very yeah. pressing topic that is causing so much havoc in the entire nation and the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Dr. Adina Pharmacist? Well, I um, became a pharmacist in 2001, and I worked in various corporate settings, corporate retail settings as a pharmacist. And I was working at a time when I actually witnessed the opioid crisis unfold. Mm. So I worked at the time, I don't know if any of you are familiar with that series, Dope Sick. I worked throughout all of that where I, I, I heard them say it's less than 1% addictive, all of that. That is what we were told. Um, in fact, when I think back to that time, that is the main 
um, thing that goes in my mind that comes to mind is it's less than 1% addictive, which is the opioids. And we were also told to uh, ensure to give a lot of it and make sure that the patient, both as physicians and pharmacists, that patients are pain-free. That was mm. the motto, is that the patient should not be in pain and they should be pain-free and to give as much as necessary for the patient to be comfortable and pain-free. And so we followed that. Um, and due to the not just what Big Pharma told us, but also uh, due to the fact that they had also actual pain management organizations that they ended up having on board and the FDA that were also backing all of this up because as pharmacists, we are very weary uh, of what big pharma says, right? So we make sure the other sources also agree. So I worked throughout all of that time. And then I ended up opening up my own pharmacy and it was a compounding pharmacy where I would tailor medications to patients needs. And the reason I did that is because I started noticing that the big pharma drugs were causing a lot of unnecessary side effects that patients were getting. And that there, although there was benefits to them, there are also other ways that you could tailor a medication to each individual's needs where there would be, uh, there may be less side effects and more efficacy. And so I opened my compounding pharmacy and I had it for about five years. Then I sold my compounding pharmacy. And throughout all of this time that I was watching the opioid crisis unfold, I was also watching it unfold in my own loved one, who I love very much. He is a blood relative, and I am going to refer to him as Jack. Okay. Watching the opioid crisis unfold and then watching it unfold in my own loved one was extremely hurtful. And at the time, I didn't realize yet the severity of the situation, not because um, I didn't understand the uh, addiction, like how severe addiction to an opioid would be, but because I didn't realize what they found out later, which is pretty much anyone can get addicted to opioids. You do not have to have an addictive personality to be addicted to opioids. Mm -hmm. And that is what we didn't understand. And then later, which was approximately, I want to say five to seven years ago is when they found out and told everyone that one in four people, which is extremely high, can get addicted to opioids. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, at that point, Physicians and pharmacists became extremely cautious in the amount of opioids that were being prescribed. Pharmacists do not prescribe, by the way. When physicians would prescribe, right, if they would prescribe over a certain amount, over a seven-day period, pharmacists would become, that would be like a red flag. So that's what I mean when I say pharmacists and physicians mm -hmm. would get extremely concerned. Amen. Before Amen. that, it was more like a six-month period of opioids is fine, and that's not the case at all. Now. You know, living with someone who's addicted to drugs, whether legal or illegal, can be challenging. What advice do you give to loved ones that are in that situation? 
What I can say is that what helped with me and Jack in our situation, and he did live with me for a period of time, was that although he was on the drugs, I just loved him and had lots of fun with him just the way that he was. And the Lord Jesus Christ helped us through it. The Lord Jesus wants people to know that he loves everyone. Mm -hmm. He loves all of humanity, whether they are rich or poor, whether they are well or afflicted. It doesn't matter. He loves everyone. And so today I want to discuss, if you allow me, the difference between how I ended up dealing with Jack's situation, knowing the Lord, versus how the world was dealing with his situation and the type of advice I was getting from the worldly perspective. Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So before I have my experience where I I feel was, and others have told me, was an encounter with God, before that time, I knew, I w- I've always been a Christian because Armenians are Christian, but I never knew the Lord's love the way that I felt it during my encounter. Once that happened, everything changed for me. Before, the way that I understood things was that the Lord wants us to be a certain way in order for him to accept us. That's what I understood when I would go to church. That's what I would understood when I would listen to my parents, whoever it was that I would look at to get mm-hmm. any kind of feedback. After, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. After I felt the love of the Lord, I was shocked because I remember for an entire year, I kept wondering did I understand this correctly until I started to read the Bible and talk to others who are really following Jesus. And I found out that it was accurate. What I felt, which was the pure, holy love of God is for everyone. Criminals, non-criminal prostitute, people who are on drugs, people who are not on drugs, It doesn't matter who you are. He loves you exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. And when I started to then take that, what I had felt, and continually get that love from that source through worshiping the Lord, praying to the Lord, and reading the Bible, and being filled with his love and his tangible presence, I was able to then now take that and give it to Jack and give it to everyone else around him that was suffering as a result of his behaviors that were ending up occurring as a result of his substance use disorder, which is what I call now addiction to drugs. The terminology is being changed to substance use disorder because it's a being deemed as a disease state. Mm. Amen. Amen. So the way that the world told me to deal with Jack was after going through multiple treatment facilities. And let me give you a little bit of a background of how severe Jack's situation was. 
He is a person who ended up being incarcerated for multiple felony crimes. He is a person who was injecting crystal meth and heroin. And whenever he would get out of jail, he would live on the streets. Mm -hmm. So this is who Jack was. And at the height of his addiction, when he had first actually begun injecting heroin and smoking heroin, he had a conversation with me where he told me that I know that there is a God, but I don't want him in my life. Mm. Now, looking retrospectively, I have realized that Jack knew that there was a God, but Jack did not understand the character of God. Just like me. He was thinking like I was thinking. Legalism. Yes, exactly. So, and that is what he had been taught. And so when I was going through all of his treatment facilities and the ways that the psychologists and the treatment facilities told us to deal with Jack's condition was to let him go and let him hit rock bottom. Mm. And that is the mentality that was being used in the United States, the mainstream mentality. And unfortunately, it is still currently the mainstream mentality and is slowly starting to change. Well, how is letting him hit rock bottom working out? I mean, for him and for you. So letting him hit rock bottom, although that can help for some people, I wouldn't even call it letting him hit rock bottom because right now hit rock bottom can be death with the current drugs that are out there. That's what it can result to. But some people use that terminology because it helps them to be able to step away from the problem and understand that they cannot fix that person and control that person. And that is true that we do need to realize that we cannot change that person or control them. But what is missing in that arena is that the Lord can. Amen. That we Amen. can rely on the Lord. That we can pray to Jesus. And Jesus can do that Amen. for us. And, and that's yeah. what happened to you. The Lord interjected something into your life. Amen. Can you share how that changed your perspective on things? Big time. Because what I came to finally to the road of was when I was seeing a psychologist. And one of the things I would discuss with her was Jack. Her final thing that she said to me is that, well, why can't you just let him die? Hmm. That's when it hit me was that this let him go, let him go that they've been saying for over 10 years to us, let him hit rock bottom, which is what would happen is, For him, it became incarceration, jail, crime, uh, living on the streets, right? Was also leading to death. Yeah, yeah. And all of the sudden, I woke up and I was like, wait, what? This is the entire time what you've been leading me towards? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, wouldn't everybody be better off if he was dead? Mm. And I all of the sudden realized that this is not only her Uh, way of thinking unfortunately this is what i had been hearing it's like this light bulb went off all along with most from most people was there was another psychologist that said that if someone is on drugs and they're like a loose tooth you take them out and throw them away Mm. 
So when I talked to her, I found out that she was an atheist. And so that's where I was like, wait a minute. I stopped going to her. Yeah. And then I had my, um, the encounter that I had with the Lord. And afterwards, I, the Lord sent me after Jack. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a few instances where the Lord led you straight to him when he was off on his binges. Share about those instances. So after this encounter, all of a sudden, I start to uh, hear in my mind, I hear a voice. And Jack would run away, and no one could find him. People would look for him for days, and he was nowhere to be found because he didn't want to be found. And on the first occasion, I was sitting on the couch watching a movie. And all of a sudden, I start hearing the voice in my mind saying, go there. And I I knew, I had a knowing that the voice was God. But I just couldn't understand the full capacity of go there, like go where, do what, you know. So as I was watching the movie, slowly, slowly, the movie started to dissipate. Like all I could hear at one point was go there, go there, go there, go there in my mind. And so I got up and I told my husband, I said, I, you know what? I've got to go there. And he says, go where? Where are you going? And I said, I feel like I need to go to Pasadena to find Jack. And he says, okay. And he was confused. The first time he was like, no, don't go. You know, it was like at nine. And he's like, I don't even know where you're going. How are you going to find him? I pick up the keys within minutes. The first time I found Jack within 15 minutes, I picked up the keys and I had the cross in my hand. And I went down to Pasadena is about a 10 minute drive. I stopped first at an area where him and I had hung out at before, and he was nowhere to be found. So I got upset. I had the cross in my hand and I said, Lord, why, you know what? Why'd you bring me here? He's not here. If it was really you. And I remember saying that out loud. I said, if it was really you, then show me where he is. And after that prayer, I had go left, go right, go. And bam, he was in front of me. (laughs) And he was on his bicycle. And I tell you, he turned white. And he's like, how did you find me? And I said, well, Jesus uh, brought me to you. (laughs) He was like, just shocked. And that night, this is what I mean when I say loving him where he's at. That night, he did not want to come home. He just wanted to be with his friends who were former friends from jail from his incarceration. He just wanted to hang out with them. And so I said to him, I hung out with him for a while. I said, okay, well then let me just buy you dinner. Let me buy you a nice dinner. And I bought him dinner. He said where he wanted dinner from. I bought him dinner. I chatted with him. Now, not only did that help Jack, this is what I want the rest of the viewers to know, that helped me. It brought me joy. It brought me peace and hope. Because not knowing where your loved one is out on the streets is extremely painful, extremely painful. You don't know if they are alive. You don't know if they are dead. You don't know if they ended up back in jail. You don't know which hospital they are in. And this is someone that you are loving so deeply versus the way the Lord loves is 
doesn't matter where he's at and what he's doing. I'm taking care of him. You go have a nice dinner with him. That's it. It's a very different, you know, mentality. And we know that he's taking care of him because he's in the Lord. And he's in the Lord because he's repenting for his sins. And even if to the point of death, this is what I want people to know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that may have lost someone to this, right? They, if they're in the Lord, they're with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there we find joy again. There we find joy again. That's right? Awesome. Yeah. So that night he didn't come home with me. I come home and I was concerned. And uh, the Lord at night told me, I'm taking care of him. You go sleep. And I just went to bed. And all of this, I'm saying the Lord, I heard the Lord, I heard the Lord. I just want you to know that it's a, it's in my mind. It's not audible. Yeah. So I went to bed and the next morning I wake up and he was still not there at night. I slept. And this time the Lord said, I want you to go and get him tomorrow because he will not have his bicycle anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning, I kind of just forgot about it until it was night. I was watching a movie again. And there it goes again. Go there, go there, go there. And I got up again. I told my husband and he says, where are you going? I said, I'm going there. I Again, like I think I'm supposed to go to Pasadena and get Jack. And I picked up the keys. And I want everyone to know I had my family praying. Like I want people to know there is prayer in this. Prayer is involved. My, all of my family that knows Jack that was in this walk with me. They, we were all praying together to find him. So I would text them and say, okay, start praying. I'm going. And every time they'd be like, I'm not going to find him. And they would laugh at me. You know? And again, this time within about 45 minutes, I go around, bam, he's in front of me with his bicycle. Guess the first thing what he said to me, he said, I'm so glad you're here because I'm not going to have my bicycle anymore. Oh, wow. I was like, what? So then I, I'm like, okay, where do you need to give your bicycle? And we, I start driving with him. He's bicycling next to me and we drop off the bicycle and look at all these wonderful, fun memories we have now from all of this. <laughs> Jack and I share these fun memories now. Whereas before it was, let him go, uh, don't have a relationship with him, all of this, right? Now we've got all this fun stuff that we can remember. So he drops off his bicycle and he comes back home with me. Fast forward months later, Jack, by the way, I want people to know he's a person who has failed treatment over seven times. He has also failed treatment that was a dual diagnosis facility, which is where I took him next. And he failed that treatment as well within three weeks. He has multiple conditions that are happening all at once. He also has physical uh, pain that from his prior medical conditions. So after he failed this treatment facility that I sent him, he suddenly disappeared. And that's it. Nobody could see him. And months passed and I was just sitting on the couch again. And I got a text from a relative saying, where is he? 
and I pray to the Lord and they were in turmoil. You know, that person was in turmoil and I prayed to the Lord. I said, let me pray. And I, I prayed and the Lord revealed to me, he said, you're going to go to Hollywood and he showed me the location and you're going to pick him up Saturday night at 9 p.m. And I'm like, what? So I, I, the next day it's Saturday and I'm like, I don't want to go. Wait, no, it was the two days later. It was Saturday. I'm like, I don't want to go like around eight o'clock. I called that relative and I was like, people are shooting each other in Hollywood. Like, I don't want to go there right now at like 9 PM at night. This was during the pandemic when I kept hearing news, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to go there. And I'm discussing this with her for 30 minutes. She's telling me, yeah, you shouldn't a single, like uh, going there just by yourself, not a single woman. I am married going there just by yourself on your own. You shouldn't go there da, 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 da. for 30 minutes. I'm telling you 30 minutes later, like a bird flies to its nest. I said, okay, I got to go. I put down the phone. I go, I pick up the key. <laughs> and my husband's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Hollywood to pick up jack and he's like okay this time he knew already okay you know what she knows uh. so i yeah i went and i'm telling you i get there at nine o'clock nine dot dot zero zero and i pulled down my window and because it was a 30 minute drive to hollywood from where i am and i say i'm looking for jack and there's a guy there sitting on the floor and he goes uh who wants to know? And I told him who, what my relationship was to him. And the Lord had told me that I want you to go pick him up and tell him that God wants you to go fishing with me. That's what the Lord had said. So I'm telling you, he was hiding in a tent. This guy calls out his name and he pops out from the tent. I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> I was like, what? And he comes up to me and he was so mad. He was like, I can't believe you come here. Like, uh, why did you come here? And and he tells me to pull over on the next road. And I come down and I said, let me tell you, the only reason I came is because the Lord told me to come and get you to go fishing with me. And he says, okay, let me tell you that the only reason that I am talking to you right now is because you said that the Lord told you to come and get me to go fishing tomorrow. <laughs> Can you believe turns out that we found out later he was COVID positive. Mm. At the time he had a hole in his leg. He was very sick. He had a hole in his leg because it had been an abscess mm -hmm. that had turned into a hole. And he ended up coming home after that, like after for like about a week or so he came home and he didn't want uh, treatment because he had a warrant out for his arrest. So he didn't want to ambulance called. He didn't want to go to the doctor. We couldn't even find his doctor because he had moved and it was the pandemic. We couldn't even find a doctor. Yeah. The next morning I wake up and I pray to the Lord about his because I honestly like I thought that he was gonna die like as a pharmacist assessing him a person who is incoherent is mumbling has a temperature on the bed with an open wound yeah. on his leg yeah. and on drugs and later we found out he's COVID positive too we didn't even know that part yet and I'm thinking as a pharmacist 
I'm going to go, I'm going to find him a doctor. Then I'm going to pull him out of the bed. I'm going to force him out. And then I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him to the ER. I'm going to take, you know, all these stuff. I wake up and I pray to the Lord. And the first thing I hear is, this is what you're going to do is you're going to go there to that house and you're going to bless the place at 3 p.m. today with holy oil. And you're going to bless above his head with holy oil and you're going to give him the Bible. And then I was like, what? This is insane. Like, if you say this to a doctor, they're going to be like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? You know? So then I'm like, no, Lord, like, I've got to do this, that. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And then again, and then he says, and that is all that that I am supposed to do. That is all that I'm supposed to do. So I went and I did what he said. And that night when I came home, I see that our relative who is in that living in that house had somehow gotten a hold of the two antibiotics that Jack needed mm. to get well. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was shocked. The, the Lord already knew. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. Yeah, I do want people to know that whatever it is that I share on this um, podcast is not medical advice. Yeah. That each person needs to go and seek their own medical advice from their own physician. Yeah. Uh, Amen. This is just the informational stories that have happened between Jack and I. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of this interview with uh, Dr. Adina Astorian. Now, she's been sharing with us, you know, some of the, the problems and heartaches of dealing with a loved one who has an addiction. And her background allows her to do this effectively. And she's been sharing these tips with us. And, and if you're in that situation, I pray for you. I really do. But I want you to understand, this is just part one of this great interview. She's coming back again in part two of the very next episode to conclude this discussion with us. And you do not want to miss it. Now, I want to advise you that this podcast or anything that Dr. Adina says is not to be taken as medical advice. Okay, This is for informational purposes only. Each person needs to consult their own physician or healthcare provider for medical advice or treatment. Amen? So be sure to come back in the very next episode, and we'll conclude this discussion with Dr. Adina. Till then, this passed by reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you.